Hey guys, and welcome back to the Living Healthy Podcast presented by LA Fitness. I am your host, Andrew Gabell, along with my co-host, Candice Curry. Hi guys. Look, they don't give me any time on the mic, and there's a reason for that. I'm Matt. I produce the podcast. I really need this job, so if you'd be so kind as to listen to it regularly at blog.lafitness.com or subscribe to it on Apple or, or Google Play, that would be fantastic. I'm going to go before they get back. Thank you. On today's episode, we've got something special for you. We're going to be going over the new guidelines released by the American Heart Association regarding blood pressure. Now nearly one in two adults in the U.S. is categorized as having high blood pressure. So that means, statistically speaking, Andrew, one of us has high blood pressure. But which one? Well, we're <laughs> going to talk about that and what it means to have high blood pressure and also what you can do to control it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people out there with high blood pressure might think that medication is the only way they can control it. But there are alternatives out there, and we're going to talk about those. But before we do, we wanted to talk to the average person on the street to find out what they thought having high blood pressure meant. So we did just that, and this is how they responded. What do you think it means to have high blood pressure or hypertension? Uh, just uh, bad coronary arteries. I really don't know. <laughs> you don't know? No. My mom has high blood pressure. The overall outward pressure on the blood veins themselves. Maybe the heart, the heart is pumping too hard. What do you think causes high blood pressure? Um, stress. Let's say diet. Smoking is a big one. Drugs. Yeah. And salt. Salt in your diet. Stress. Is that the only thing that causes high blood no, pressure? No, there's many things that cause high blood pressure, but I'm going to go with stress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I have it. <laughs> well, what, if you were diagnosed with high blood pressure, what would you, what's the first thing you would do to try and reverse it? Panic. Exercise, lose weight, in my case. I'd cut down on salt. Well, speaking from experience, I'm like, give me the pills. I'm not really sure. So now that we know what the average person on the street thinks about high blood pressure, let's talk to the professional. Joining us on the program today is Dr. Warren Johnston. He's a cardiologist. He's also the president of the Orange County Division of the American Heart Association and the director of the Women's Heart Center at St. Joseph's Hospital. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with uh, the first question that we asked everyone out on the street, and that's what does it really mean to have high blood pressure or hypertension? Brian, it kind of a, a confusing term, hypertension. Sometimes people think you know, hyper too much tension, too much stress. <laughs> right. So that, that's often the confusion. We can talk about stress later. But uh, So hyper is too much. Tension it refers to the pressure in your vessel, specifically the arteries of your heart. So hypertension, the, the definition of that is high blood pressure, meaning that your blood pressure is elevated when you take your blood pressure with a cuff, blood pressure cuff. Okay. Is there some type of metaphor that can help us easily understand what blood pressure is or why it's important? Well, I, I think people are sort of into hydraulics of something. If you think about a pipe or even a hose for that matter, if you put too much pressure in that, that will damage the hose, damage the pipe, uh, and it can burst. It can cause, you know, obviously issues. So it, it's sort of similar to that. It's, it's really just hydraulics. Okay. All right. So you, you don't want the pipe to burst. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so what are, let's talk about the guidelines. So that one of the main reasons we want to do this podcast is because the American Heart Association recently released new guidelines for kind of what the baseline is of uh, blood pre high blood pressure. Correct. What can you tell me what those new guidelines are? Sure. Well, let me start with the old ones. So, so basically, people who had a blood pressure of 140 over 90 or greater were considered to be clinically hypertensive. Their blood pressure was too high. So, those guidelines have been changed. Uh, now, actually, anyone with a blood pressure greater than 120 over 
I'm sorry, 120 over 80 is considered to be hypertensive. Uh, and if you're greater than 130 over 80, then it, it, it's something that needs to be dealt with. Okay. And hypertensive is the same as high blood pressure. Correct. Right. And why after so much time have the guidelines suddenly been changed? Well, basically guidelines are based on research. Okay, so, so there's a body of research that has occurred in the last 10 years that really pointed to the fact that the, our previous uh, upper limits of normal were too high, that, that uh, individuals were having heart attacks, strokes, kidney issues, uh, things like that, uh, that were uh, ascribable to their blood pressure being you know, minimally elevated. <clears throat> so realizing that from the research, a number of experts got together and, and looked at and reviewed the, uh, the research and decided that we need to really drop the guidelines because people are dying on us here. What would you say for how long does a study need to go before it's kind of like deemed, you know, reasonable? Like you can't do like a two month study and you're like, oh, here are the results, right? So right. what's a typical duration that you find is actually reliable? Right. Well, it's, you know, kind of basic statistics, if you will. So most studies are, you have to have several thousand patients in the study. Uh, and then typically, you know, five years would be a good period of time. Okay. So, I mean, obviously there's studies with less people, uh, but it depends on what verb you're looking at. And when you do the, you know, the mathematics relative you know to determine if something statistically significant that can vary as to what the what the variable is you're studying right right yeah and that's something that I think is important to point out is that there's so many studies nowadays that it's kind of important that you look at beyond just what the the headline is and actually look at kind of some of the numbers behind yeah. it to see if it's actually reliable that's good to know Okay, on, on another front of just kind of what might help or hurt blood pressure, uh, with baby boomers getting older and the number of states that are now starting to legalize marijuana, mm -hmm. is there any connection between marijuana use and blood pressure, good or bad? Mm -hmm. Especially because it's still another way to smoke, and smoking, you know, has right. always been, right. don't do that, that right. increases your chance of high blood pressure. Indeed. You, you, certainly tobacco, there's absolutely no question. Tobacco causes vascular disease. Vascular disease causes hypertension and vice versa. So that, that's one of the major lifestyle modifications that, uh, and one of the really major things that people can do to prolong their life is to stop smoking. Now, the whole idea of marijuana, since you asked, we've had medical marijuana. Now it's legalized in many states. It's really not been studied to any great degree. Um, and, and it was a difficult thing to study because people, frankly, just didn't want to come forward. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I use marijuana. Right. Uh, now, as it's, it's, as it's being legalized and more people are using medical marijuana for you know, other reasons than to get, um, you know, get high, if you will, um, I think we're going to have a lot more studies. And in fact, there are a number of uh, institutions which have started studying that. Uh, there's conflictory evidence in, in my mind regarding marijuana. Certainly from a relaxation perspective, it might well be helpful. Uh, there's certain things, and you can increase your pulse and blood pressure at times, depending on the THC, you know, uh, content of what, you, what you're uh, consuming. So it's, it's kind of, the, I think the jury's out. Uh, my own personal opinion, I don't think it's going to be a major major lifestyle issue in causing hypertension. That's just a, a personal opinion. Um, the, the other thing, just FYI, is this whole vaping thing. So that's another thing. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. Great, vaping, you know, all you're getting is nicotine. You're not getting the, the tars and the resonance. Well, you're getting a bunch of chemicals, too, uh, in, the, in the vaping. So what's that going to do? And again, early on, uh, no even epidemiologic studies on that, uh, but we're going to be obviously looking at that as the vaping increases, um, you know, across the United States. Right. So, okay. So there's kind of the studies are still being conducted on that, but, but the guidelines, we know what the guidelines are. The bar has definitely been lowered. Uh, it, 
is that mostly to try and catch this earlier? Is that why they've done it? Well, correct. That 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 that's a different kind of thing. I mean, we we have the, a uh, month where we're uh, screening people. Uh, it's uh, part of the American Heart Association efforts. The goal is to screen over three million people, i.e., get people to get their blood pressure checked, because that's often uh, the big issue. People don't get their blood pressure checked. They're hypertensive. Uh, their blood pressures are high. They don't know it. And, it, and I, it's been called the silent killer. And the reason it's called the silent killer is you don't know you have it. And then you have a heart attack, you have a stroke, you develop kidney fire, peripheral vascular disease, things like that. You go in to see your doctor and how can I have this? What did you know? Your blood pressure is sky high. They don't know because really the symptoms are not until you have an end organ problem. Wow. When do these problems normally start occurring? I mean, is there a certain age that people typically start experiencing like high blood pressure levels, or can this happen at any age? It can really happen at any age. I mean, there's certain uh, things that uh, congenital issues that where people can present with with hypertension, kids in particular. So it's important for the you know, when you go to your pediatricians and you know you know your your uh, adolescents that that you have your blood pressure checked. But and blood pressure tends to just increase steadily with age, and the reason for that is as we get older, our pipes, if you want to put it that way, our arteries, get stiffer. So when your heart pushes blood into a, a pipe or into an, a vessel, the vessel, when you're younger, is compliant. It stretches, and that mitigates the pressure increase. As you get older, the vessel can't stretch. The blood pressure goes up. So the older you get, the more likely you are to, to have hypertension. Really around age 40 is when we really become concerned about that. What plays into it? Is it mostly a lack of exercise or not eating healthy? I'm guessing diet's one of the bigger issues. Oh, it's a huge issue. So the American Heart Association recommends that you should have a daily consumption of, of sodium, which is salt, of no more than 1.5 milligrams. Grams. So that's 1,500 milligrams. Um, basically, that's about a teaspoon of salt a day. Uh-huh. If you were to go to um, a restaurant and order a sandwich, um, you'll actually get about four grams of sodium, almost three times as much salt wow. as you would uh, is recommended. And what salt does basically, it retains fluid. So if you have more fluid in your vessels, the pressure is going to go up. And if you can reduce the salt intake, uh, then the pressure will go down. In fact, one of the drugs that we often use to treat hypertension are diuretics, which basically all they do is get rid of salt, and then that takes the fluid out of the kidney and out of your body. Huh. Interesting. Is another thing um, also like just the sedentary lifestyles that we're living? Is that kind of a big contributing factor? Yeah, absolutely. So, so unfortunately, you know, we're in the epidemic of obesity. A lot of that is is around sedentary lifestyles. When I was a kid, I was out there, you know, playing baseball and riding bikes and what have you. Now you see kids that are just, you know, they don't even have PE at some of the schools, and they're sitting in front of computers. Uh, and 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 as a result of that, often they're, they're overeating as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and. On the eating front, this is perfect because I want to bring in our nutritionist, Debbie James, now to kind of talk about the nutritional side of things of blood pressure. Uh, How big a factor is it, Debbie? Nutrition plays a huge role next to physical activity and your weight and smoking. Obviously, nutrition is interrelated with the level of physical activity you have and your body weight. So there are other actual nutrition um, elements that are going to impact the blood pressure that you have. So what can people do to change their nutrition, you know, to help keep their blood pressure in check? Ah, obviously reducing sodium across the board is kind of more of a a, a public uh, approach, though it should be individualized if you're sodium sensitive or not. 
and that would be avoiding the processed packaged foods, soups, things that are canned with added sodium, uh, a lot of condiments like salad dressings, um, sauces, and gravies. But what people miss are other things that you can do besides what you can avoid, and you want to get enough potassium. Uh, The average American does not get maybe half the potassium they should, and when you look at the dietary approaches to stop hypertension, it's called a DASH diet. It's also increasing potassium well over like 4,000 milligrams a day, and you want to get that from foods like uh, potatoes, uh, yogurt, beans, bananas, tomato sauce, orange juice, pork, apricots, milk, and fish. For for fish, um, I want to know, is it like, would fish oils be okay too? I know a lot of people take fish oils, so. Uh, the actual fish is going to have potassium in it, but funny that you should mention fish oils. Uh, one of the interventions for high blood pressure or to prevent high blood pressure are getting concentrated sources of omega-3s. So it's the two compounds called EPA and DHA that are in the fish oil that when you get to a high enough level, about 2,000 milligrams a day, that reduces inflammation and supports healthy blood pressure. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that I didn't know that about potassium. So kind of lowering sodium, upping the potassium? Exactly. They, they work sort of counter to one another in keeping your fluid balance. You want the water to get in your cells and stay in your cells, not in the in-between space and just floating around. Um, some obviously needs to stay in your blood. It's liquid, but not too much. What is the DASH diet exactly? I haven't heard of that before. The dietary approaches to stop hypertension has in line with it um, the reduced sodium. It has two different levels, 2,300 milligrams a day or 1,500 milligrams a day. And if you compare that to the average American that eats over 3,000, almost 4,000 milligrams a day, it can cut it down quite significantly. But it's also primarily based on fruits, vegetables, low-fat dairy, lean proteins, uh, whole grains, and then also focusing on portion control. Yeah, something we all struggle with. Well, I don't know about all of us, but I know that I can struggle with portion control. Same here. Um, what, what do you think from a nutritionist standpoint, uh, what do you think of the new guidelines that have come out that have kind of lowered uh, the bar, I guess, to some degree, and now have put one in two adult Americans into the range of having high blood pressure? It's wonderful that we can have more people pay attention to their blood sugar, or excuse me, to their blood pressure, whereas it may have been, oh, you need to watch out for this. Now you're in a category of elevated blood pressure or you're in stage one and you have to do something about it. So it's getting a lot more early intervention. Do you see people, um, do you think that is going to grab people's attention sooner and that they will change their diet habits? That's the thought. And and diet uh, is one lifestyle. in addition to exercise and controlling their weight, um, just by reducing an extra five or 10 pounds if you are overweight can have a significant impact on, your, on blood pressure, on mostly systolic blood pressure. Right, so obviously nutrition plays a huge role in blood pressure levels, and I know that exercise does it as well, so at this time, I think we should bring in our pro results trainer, Morgan Connors, to talk about that. Morgan, what role does fitness play in blood pressure? Fitness is really, really great for hypertension. It definitely strengthens the heart, which is going to be the most important part. Got it. So what can people do in the gym to help combat 
their hypertension? Um, changing as far as fitness, uh, you definitely want to add a lot of cardio in there. Um, weights are going to definitely help, but we really try to push that cardio, especially if you're coming from a life where you sit at a desk a lot and there's not a whole lot of movement and you've kind of through the stress of your job have developed this hypertension that your doctor's talking to you about. Um, so with that, you want to incorporate a lot of walking. The treadmill is also really great. Um, things that are going to keep your cardiovascular system up. What I tend to do with a lot of my clients is interval training because we always have that analogy of the best friend who's a little irritating and you're like I like hanging out with them but it has to be in small doses and we still say the same thing about cardio for hypertension you know your heart's already under a lot of stress and so is um, your blood pressure when it is high and the way that that blood pressure is acting on the arteries um, and so you don't want to keep it stressed out you don't want to stress it out more um, with fitness it is going to raise your blood pressure but as soon as you stop the activity it will go back down unlike high blood pressure where it stays high constantly um, so with strengthening that heart you kind of want to sit there and stress them out for a second and then let them rest <laughs> right and recover so why why is cardio such a big factor in blood pressure or controlling blood pressure like is it just because of cardio gets your blood moving more or what is it um, so with, uh, with hypertension, um, it's usually that you want to strengthen the heart, okay? Um, when you strengthen the heart, the heart doesn't have to work so hard to pump the blood through the body. Uh, you kind of think about it when you, um, squeeze a balloon, okay, and it's filled with water and you're kind of pushing it through a tube. Now, if you have a weak hand, you really are thinking about really squeezing on it hard and you're putting a lot of pressure through that tube in those in those intervals, okay? Um, however, if the heart and the hand is fine, right, you're just giving a little nice squeeze at a nice constant rate and you're not stressing out the walls of that tubing when you are really forcing that water through it. So that's kind of the analogy that we use when we talk about strengthening that heart in order to lower that blood pressure. Okay, and cardio is the best method to do that pretty much or one of the better methods correct yes yeah. so just like with weight training is going to strengthen the muscle cardio is going to strengthen the heart for those that are just starting uh you know a fitness regime and they have high blood pressure is there maybe a set amount of time you know that they can start easing themselves into it maybe like you know start with 10 minutes of cardio or 15 minutes of cardio do you have a any kind of like time limit that you normally give beginners um, time limits. So uh, my programming specifically with me is is what we call perceived effort. So um, we definitely try to give you a, a minimum, you know, get on the treadmill. You want to do about a five minute warm up, um, 10 minutes where you're actually getting that blood pumping and that heart going. Um, and then you want to do a cool down as well. So overall it ends up being around 10, 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Those are those kind of key points that we hit in the beginning, but we definitely want to get up to at least 30 minutes a day with a, with the heart association saying that best thing to do is between 90 and 150 minutes okay. a week. Okay. All right. Great. And so let's jump back to the American Heart Association with Dr. Johnston uh, to kind of wrap it up. And uh, just bottom line, is this really life or death? Sure. I mean, kind of in a final summary, it's the silent killer. Uh, it's one of the most important risk factors, particularly from stroke, for stroke. And no one wants to have a stroke. That's the number one cause of disability in the United States. It can be modified. You can get it down uh, to a normal limit through a combination of lifestyle modification, diet, exercise, weight loss, those kinds of, don't smoke, those kinds of things. Um, and in the absence of, if, if in fact you are now living sort of the ideal life and you're still hypertensive, and many people will be, uh, we have actually excellent drugs available, uh, prescribed by physicians obviously, uh, that can control your blood pressure uh, with really minimal side effects. Because the whole point is we, we'd like to have you live longer, but we certainly want you to have a good quality of life. 
Have you seen uh, situations, there probably are plenty, but do you see situations quite often where people uh, start working out more, exercising more, eating better, and reverse it and come off the medication? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I've definitely seen that. The, the issue, as you well know, <laughs> is recidivism of people who go diet and exercise, what kinds of things, where they, you know, they gung-ho, they're going to do it, they lose weight, uh, they, they're exercising, and then they stop doing it. And, and, and then their blood pressure goes back up. So uh, it, it, keeping it consistent, making a commitment, and having motivation is really the key to success. Uh, and, and when people say, I'm going on a diet, that often suggests to me that there's a beginning point of that and there's an end point of that. It really is a, a, a lifestyle change that's lifelong. And if you do that, you can, you can certainly be successful. Great. Well, we want to thank you for being on the program, Dr. Johnson. I certainly learned a lot. I'm sure, Andrea, you did too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we also want to thank our other guests we had on today. Debbie James, our dietitian. Morgan Connors, our pro results trainer, for giving us a little bit more insight into what high blood pressure is and how we can control it. So get out there, get your blood pressure checked, get to the gym, try to eat better, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Alligator. Remember, if you have any health or fitness questions or you just want to talk to us about something you're passionate about, you can let us know by leaving us a comment on any of our social media channels. Just use the hashtag livinghealthypodcast. You can also swing by our blog at blog.lafitness.com and submit your question there. Thanks for joining us on the Living Healthy Podcast. We'll see you in the gym and talk to you soon.